na 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 them want them rebel music now give them some rebel music now well it's a rebel music don't you confuse it with that crap that the bug of them producing this a rebel music don't you confuse it me at the baddest lyricist so watch me prove it yo me used to burn the weed a lot no me start for weed a lot out loud about how the system want to keep us locked up in the prison mentally them want to defeat us in the streets when my feet touch cause the school them never teach us nothing but we african features now them want to turn we in a claffies and divas officers preachers doctors and lawyers and liars the royal alliance i keep up from i was a fetus from jesus to negus used to rock a river no me locks a creep up babylon my boss up all your neck up but grab the microphone and tell the pretty black woman them not for bleach up no fuse my teeth both the knowledge when my read about not for them big vex at the college when my leave out my bond of week out i came at the youth i seek out i have a dream and it's not bound to be chose kabaka pyramid it is my name Yes, 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 yes. This is the Black Russian Podcast, episode 41, Eyes Wide. I am your co-host, Tion Buku One. And I am Yula, the what? The Park Ranger. The Park Ranger. She <laughs> forgot her title. Look, yeah. this this is uh, almost as old as you. What? The podcast? Yes. yes. Yes, it is. 41 episodes. 41 yeah. episodes. Someone and I just have, turned I have 43. 43 episodes under right. the belt. So, yeah, we're going to get into it. We're going to go into a lot of good things in this episode. Eyes wide. Talk about going into monogamous long-term relationships. Eyes wide as well as non-monogamous. But first, we'll go into our quotes. And then we will move it from there. Yoda has a way she wants to take over the The lane. The world. And the world. But first, this lane. So, my quotes will be, took a lot from comedic yoga. Really cool quotes. Uh, One. It's hard to heal when you keep pretending you're not hurt. <laughs> yep. That's tough. Um, never apologize for your growth. Even though it may piss a lot of people off and hurt a lot of people. And then being authentic will radiate more pure energy than trying to be the ideal you. Yep. Wow, yours is so short. Not I'll go fast. Uh when we can open to all parts of ourselves and to others in the world, something quite extraordinary happens. We begin to connect with one another. It's probably when you're willing to let go of all of your hopes and fears around accomplishing anything, being anyone, attaining any level, that the practice can really work its magic. Practice yes. here being meditation or learning how to actually uh, just be you. Right. Uh, we should be especially grateful for having to deal with annoying people and difficult situations because without them, we, could have nothing to, we would have nothing to work with. Without them, how could we practice patience, exertion, mindfulness, loving kindness, or compassion? It is by dealing with such challenging challenges that we grow and develop. Right. So thank you all the difficult, annoying people and situations. <laughs> <laughs> We will be saying thanks to you. They're like, yay. Yes, uh, we should be grateful for all of it. The good, the bad, the ugly, the yep. annoying, the passive-aggressive, the indifferent, the <clears throat> sudden changes and drops of energy and presence, all of that. 
it all teaches us something. Boy, exactly. we know. I've been learning a lot lately. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so to go into our episode, we will do our normal disclaimer. Yes. Disclosure. Uh, description of what we <coughs> are and are not for. And as a reminder, we do not advocate any particular type or style of a relationship. We do not advocate non-monogamous versus monogamous. We do not advocate poly versus open versus whatever else anyone calls any style, but we advocate being open and honest with yourself and each other and build your relationship in a way that will accommodate it. And understanding, we also advocate understanding that as humans we change, our desires and needs will change, so will our relationship structure. So we are definitely opposed to any style of relationship that is a rigid mandate. We are against mandates. Yep, so anything that is built on open, honest, accommodating growth, that's your type of relationship you want to be in. And after that, it's up to you to decide, do you want it to be open? Do you want it to be monogamous? Do you want it to be open monogamous? Do you want it to be polyamorous? Whatever works for you and that it can change. Uh, however, you know, been thinking about it a lot and talking to uh, people about it. I think that there is a big misconception of monogamous being easier than non-monogamous, and uh, it, I, I don't believe in it. Seeing so many issues with uh, people that are feeling stuck, feeling um, closed, feeling like they're, they cannot breathe in a mon long-term monogamous relationship is really showing how difficult it is to maintain it long term. So if you are going to choose monogamous relationship versus non-monogamous, let's do it with your eyes open, really understanding what that means. Because when we understand, we can prepare and we can plan and we can honestly talk about it to each other. Exactly. and. So this episode is called Eyes Wide because the first half we're going to go into choosing to go into monogamous relationships eyes wide and all the things that we can expect. Um, a lot of times we just do it because that's what we're supposed to do um, and that gets us in a lot of trouble because we don't know about what we've con the terms and, and conditions that we've agreed to. It's like, um, so we're going to go deep into that without judgment, just stating what we've experienced and what we've learned because um, most of the people, the couples that we build with, contrary to popular belief, are monogamous couples that come to yeah. us um, for one reason or another. And we don't always advocate or encourage non-monogamy per se, because a lot of it has to do with deeper root honesty that they're not sharing. And from there, they can go from there. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. So let's talk about uh, monogamy in a way that will help us understand what are the common long-term issues with the structure and then what do we need to do to talk to our partners directly and honestly if we are either feeling stuck in a long-term monogamous relationship or we are choosing it right now and that's one of the things that Tion and I have been really uh, you know 
dreaming about doing is counseling new fresh couples who are freshly in love and are looking and are building a long-term relationship counsel them on hey you guys are great this is beautiful what you have looking forward these are very common issues so as you are building towards you know engagement marriage committing to each other long term let's just take time step off of this high and look at factually what the issues are and then you guys build into your vows hopefully a way to or ways to communicate through these issues before they come up right now it would be very similar to let's say we're going on a, a European vacation trip we are yeah yeah let's do it so you and I are going on a family vacation trip we have to first it would be helpful to think about okay where we want to go and how we want to get there and then talk to somebody who's done it who goes okay well if you're gonna go this way these are some of the things you're gonna encounter so that way we both know, okay, now let's make a plan. So when we encounter this this challenge of running out of money or running out of gas or whatever it is, how do we plan to deal with that? Right. And we come up with our rough idea of how we're going to deal with it. Then it gives us a better chance of being able to navigate these things and not be blindsided by these things that, that happen all the time. Um, and so this is the same thing is like ideally if we could go and sit with a couple, you know, before they get married and go, okay, well, here's some of the things that happen that are pretty common in most long-term monogamous married relationships. And then lay them all out and go, so let's discuss each of those and see if we can help get you guys a basic plan of each situation. Like what happens when this and this and that so they can both have that conversation. So I I think I know now that you're talking about it, I'm envisioning there is a, you know, there is a role that is that usually goes to like a religious whoever get marries the people right right there's counseling pre-marriage you know meetings and counseling that right. those people conduct so we should insert ourselves and just be like no we're going to conduct marriage ceremonies now right. and you come to us for just to yeah you know just <laughs> just 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 to like go through run through the process right. and then when they come in, we're like, all right, well, let's run through the process, and this includes, let's talk about it. Right. It would because that, for, I mean, that, that function does exist. It just doesn't do the, yeah, it's, the it's, actual It's more work. of a formality now. Right. Do you love this person? Do you care about this person? Yes. What happens if they get sick? You're going to be there? Yes. Okay, good. Are you good. serious good about it? How right. committed are you? Yeah. Are you looking, are you talking to anybody else? Right. They don't ask <laughs> the, 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 the real stuff. Um, right. But, you know, if we had a chance to... Um, we might deter people from marriage. We might help people realize that maybe they're not compatible in the similar views. They just really love each other. Um, but the ones that will stick together will have a better chance at sustaining and understanding in a sober way of this relationship is not going to be one big passionate NRE ride of just love will solve everything. There will be logistics. There will be changes. There will be... Um, triumphs and tragedies that will shake the whole foundation and it's so much easier to talk about it before it happens than 10 15 20 years into the marriage that is all set uh and then we won't change but we'll go into it i guess Mm -hmm. we're ready to go into it let's go into it all right so part one of eyes wide open eyes wide that's what you call it i added you know 
proper English. <laughs> eyes wide open. Yes, eyes wide open. It's kind of redundant, but it works. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, monogamous relationships, you know, since we really do not uh, uh, make a big distinction between, you know, monogamous and non-monogamous uh, in terms of how much work goes into them. It's right. just difficult work. Let's talk about what kind of work actually goes into a monogamous relationship uh, to maintain it right. in a way that accommodates both people and allows for navigating through super common issues. Right. Uh, so what are, so let's say we're in a monogamous long-term relationship, 10 years into it, Right. Have a couple of kids, right? Let's got the or house, not the or finance, got the, the house. overhead, yep. the routine. Yep. Um, so we went from being super in love, having sex twice a day, to then having sex once a day, to then having sex a couple times a week. Uh, now where are we? Right. So we're just you know we're in a routine, we're in a habit, we're in a routine. A lot of times at that point. Or at some point, the relationship goes from passionate to where it's very passionate, very sexual, very curious, very proactively creating and engaging each other to companionate. Like, it plateaus, not in a bad way, but it's just not as peak-driven. It's not as high-driven. It's like we have the house, we have the family, we have the kids, so we have our routines, we do family outings, we, you know, we make dinner, we, you know, whatever the routines are. Um, and so what we're going to talk about more is some of the pitfalls that come into long-term monogamous marriages, the challenges that we have to overcome. Right. So, you know, to me, and, you know, it's easy to experience these things in non-monogamous relationship as well, uh, because as long as you have a committed long-term relationship, you will have a level of routine. Yes, and we'll discuss the non-monogamous challenges in the next half. Right. So the routine, you know, sets in and then... It starts basically like, you know, taking over the passionate side because now, you know, we're tired when we go to bed and one person has sex, uh, wants to have sex, either a man or a woman. The other may or may not want to. It's kind of hard to say no. So maybe we engage in what's called service sex. Right. Where, you know, usually the it's it, I think it's kind of harder for a man to provide service sex. Right. Yeah, cuz they have to I mean their penis has to get hard, but right. honestly, getting a man's penis hard for the hard. most part, I mean, you know, there are there are situations where that's not easy. Um, but men tend to get turned on a lot easier than women do after, you know, especially in marriages. Right. So stuff. then, you know, service sex Usually the wife or the, you know, the woman uh, will, will allow for sex to happen just to accommodate the husband's needs. Well, how does that make you feel? Right. Well, how, would, how does that make you feel? Oh, are you literally yes, asking Yes, I'm literally Tion? asking Tion, how would that make you feel <laughs> well, if I was providing service sex to you? Well, how it would feel to me is how it feels to a lot of the men that we, we discuss is... We don't feel desired. We don't feel wanted. We feel like it's <clears throat> consolation sex. Like they're just giving it to us because to pacify us. But they're not really into us. And so we may not realize it at first because men can be very self-centered, focused on like, I'm hard. She's, she's open. Let's go. 
But then the man will start to feel after a while that she's not really that into me. Um, And that will affect my self-esteem, especially if that's the only person that I'm going to, that I can go to for sexual joy, sexual nourishment, fantasy, the feeling of special. Um, And that can have a lot of effects on how I then feel about her. And maybe in the ways that she wants to feel special, I'm slacking off of too. Yeah. Like maybe I'm just not doing the romantic things I used to do. And so it's this circle, this downward circle, slow, gradual, downward thing of like, yeah. she's not into sex every time that I am, but she's she's down to do it just, you know, because it's part of the, what we do. Right. And then I'm not as romantic as I used to be, and I'm not really, you know, giving her that type of energy. So then she feels less into it, and then I feel less into it. And then it eventually there gets this, it can go into a push-pull thing where like, I'm the man trying to get the woman to give me some... Right. Sexual, like, oral, Favors. more oral, yeah. like she, or she, you know, and then it starts to kick in to where maybe she doesn't want to have oral sex with me anymore, or not as much as I want it. So then I start trying to passive aggressively guilt her or make her feel bad for not wanting that. And then she ends up making me feel bad for wanting it. And then it gets in this weird, messy space. So then it becomes transa- a transaction. Right. Then it becomes, you know, that what historically sex used to be, you know, the woman provides sex in exchange for used to be economic security, right? Uh, And then gifts Mm -hmm. or anything else that she wants, you know, and it becomes instead of a uh, intimate exchange of loving energy, it becomes a transaction. Right. Like... Yeah, I've I've exchanged this for my security. Right. I have to do this, and then, you know, he has to do whatever for that. Do the dishes, give me, you know, whatever designer purse or whatever else I might want. I mean, I've I've known of situations where the woman would literally hold out for – you know, I want this purse, so I'll have right. sex with you. Right. And this isn't even like in a marriage. girl sugar mama stuff. No. This is like in a marriage. Right. And, of course, the difference between the sugar mama, sugar daddy situation and the marriage situation is at least the sugar mama and the sugar daddies actually talk and are clear about their agreement. Right. In marriage, it's usually not discussed. It just kind of morphs into this space to where the guy knows if I want to have sex, I need to buy her something or do something for her to unlock that access and the woman knows that you know that if if I want this I have to give that right and then there is this whole you know uh, overlooked fact that women get bored sexually a lot faster in a committed monogamous relationship than men do right and that's you know on the surface it's surprising but when we think about it of course it is because when the romance is gone Women, I mean, half of the reason women have sex or get turned on, or most of the reason, I would think, is that there's something new, there is something stimulating. He wants me and he pursues me in the in the way that responds that I respond to that uh, makes me want him. If that part is gone because we now locked ourselves into this committed monogamous relationship I'm always here he's always here 
Right. Why are we going to? Why do we feel we need to dance? Right. There's no more. The courtship goes no, away because it's like right, I know this person's going to be there. I can mm. have this whenever I want. Right. Of course, this person's here. She's supposed to give it to me, and like to me, if I was ever in a situation where I'm supposed to give it to anyone, then it's gone. Right. You know. And I think that there's a lot. And I'm I'm more rebellious than 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 a lot of other women. Like, you can't tell me what to do as soon as you tell me what to do, regardless of what that is. I'm not going to do it. Uh, so with sex, literally, if you expect me to and you don't actually proactively, uh, you know, massage the situation right. for me to want you, right. that's not going to happen right. unless I have an ulterior motive. Right. To do things to inspire each other to feel sexual again. And also, like we, we've, we've discussed, like for women... You know, imagine the, the woman has kids, she's doing laundry, she's doing this and that, she's got all the emotional labor, um, and she feels like a mom, or feels like a boss, or feels like a mom boss. And eventually what can happen in that situation, a lot of women say they feel needed, but not desired. Um, and then that, that emotional labor, and even just the habitual routine of being a mom, takes the sexuality out of them for long periods of time. We've known lots of women who, they just become semi-asexual, or just less sexual, they could care less about it. You know, we know personally, a few marriages of good friends of ours where the, you know, the husband says, well, the woman's just like, she just doesn't want it, she can take it or but, leave it. And then, you know, we try to suggest that she doesn't want it in this situation, perhaps she doesn't want it with you, Perhaps she doesn't want it inside this marriage. Maybe she still wants it with you, but outside of the marriage. Right. But it's really, really hard to, A, let the man actually see it and understand it without being so hurt that, right. you know, they can't see straight and also change the circumstance. Right. And that's the challenge. One of the challenges with a monogamous relationship is monogamy is usually very rigid. We agree to a set of terms, undisclosed terms, very early, and then we stop thinking about it. And it's very rigid, and what happens is we love the security and the continuity of it. But what the byproduct is, is we get restriction, or we can't do things that we would may want to do, or we can't grow in certain ways depending on how it makes our partner feel. Um, and those things can kill passion. It can slow down passion. It can stifle passion. None of us like to feel restricted. We love to feel safe and secure, but we don't like to feel restricted. And there's a thin line between security, which is good feeling, and maximum security, which is rigid restriction. Um, and so a lot of times, the bigger challenge is people will identify the specialness of their relationship on the structure and not the connection between the two people. And I've, I've suggested to a couple of couples that it looks like you guys are still in love and you're, you're not each other's problem. The problem is the structure. It's too rigid. There's no more room for both of you guys to grow and spread your wings so you're cramped and you guys are in each other's space too much and you're starting to get snappy and claustrophobic. So those, that plays a huge role in the challenge of this is rigidity. So, so how do you loosen that? Well, we'll talk about that in the next episode. I mean, next, No, next but half, can but you loosen it up inside the monogamy? Um, of course. You can loosen it up in the ways of being able to 
um, honestly admit and share what you're feeling and what you're dealing with. Which means the other person has to be in a, in a space to be loving and caring to hear it objectively and not take it defensively, which is very hard. Because another challenge in monogamous relationships is the range of what we talk about seems to narrow because we're trying to preserve peace. Um, and we'll choose a lot of time preserving peace and the continuity over growth and honesty. So then what happens with this whole, I'm married to my best friend? What do you tell me? Well, most of us, regardless of whether we're in a monogamous marriage or not, we're, we're convinced that we married our best friend. Right. And it's such a common statement. You know, there are a lot of common statements that once you start looking at them, they sound good, but you start looking at them, and everyone agrees with them. Water. Like, everyone yeah. agrees with them automatically, right? I mean, it's, it's an honorable thing to do. Marry, of course you're married to your best friend. But then you start, let's start looking at it. Right. You know, with your best friend, are you honest right. at all times? Even if you have to say something that hurts them, is that part of your friendship? Right. And with a with the best friend versus a married best friend, you are more apt to be honest with them yeah. and tell them that harsh truth. Like, blood, yeah. you're tripping. Right. You know you want this and you're fronting like right. you don't. And why don't you go and get that? Why are you bullshitting? You know. Um, whereas the marriages, we're 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 more we're more concerned about um, keeping the peace. Yeah. Um, so when people say I married my best friend, you know, we're the nerdy type to be like, well. What does that mean? How do you treat your best friend? Like, how do you, how do your relationships work? And then compare that to what you have. Um, and it's usually very different because in marriages we are less likely to be comfortable being open and honest about everything or most things. There are very there are things that most married couples really try to avoid talking about. Right. So then the test is, okay, I'm married to my best friend. What are the things that I tell my other best friends? Right that I don't tell my husband or my wife. Right. If you have them, then you didn't marry your best friend, or you married your best friend, but it's become a different thing. Right, it might have started out that way because you could have grown together by confiding in each other. Yeah. Um, sometimes you really just hit it off, quote unquote, and you start hanging out, and you like each other so much, that becomes love, and that becomes a relationship, and that becomes marriage without ever fully understanding the person who you, I mean, you know, who you've got with. A lot of times people learn and discover things about each other in marriage that they didn't know in the beginning. They're like, oh, if I would have known this, maybe I would have thought about it differently. Because, you know, the, the problem or the challenge with relationships and any kind of relationships, uh, any structure is that we've been encouraged to always show our best face early and as, as long as we humanly can until we've locked them in. You know, we're more romantic, we're more optimistic, we're more accommodating, yep. we're more all these things that is a part of us, but it's not all of us, and it's probably not our natural state. No, and they teach us how to get to the wedding. Right. Right? All the things that we have to do on both sides to get to the wedding, and once in it, I mean, it starts with the damn fairy tales, and then happily ever after right but they don't show the happily ever after like what really happens can you teach us what's happening after the marriage right and then five ten fifteen years 
So, you know, I think this conversation is really to lift that lift that veil and, right. and show, well, what this really is happens. really what happens, you know. This is what, you know, I've seen in my parents' marriage. They've been together for 54 years. Right. Married for 50 years or something like that. And, uh, you know, every other long-term couple. Right. And, and these are like, these are just very standard challenges because we're human. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and the other, the other thing we like to talk about is really defining these terms that we use. When we just say we married our best friend, what does that mean? Um, you know, when we say we want to have a successful marriage, what does that mean? Like, people assume just length determines success. Mm-hmm. You know, but we know tons of marriages that in order for them to be still together for a long time, they've had to somewhat detach and become less interested and passionate about their their spouse or about their marriage. Yeah. They, it's almost like you're saying it comes trans- transactional and it becomes where we love each other, but we're not that into each other. Right. And create agreements that allow for, you know, indiscretion, allow for. Uh, you know, other arrangements that will maintain the marriage structure, but now the feeling has changed. So, you know, you can you can uh, easily uh, determine whether or not your marriage is successful based on different factors. If your success, right. dif- you know, is defined by how you have felt right. when you were getting into the marriage, how you felt 10 years ago, how you feel about it now. Right. Like, are you feeling satisfied? Are you feeling, uh, you know, close to your partner? Do you right. trust them? Can you go talk to them about anything at all, including what's bothering you about their behavior or your right. guys' relationship? That's successful. On the other end, you know, if you've maintained your life together for 30, 40 years, you had three kids, they're all successfully out of the house, you've paid for their colleges, right. you go on, you can afford vacations, you have your pensions all, you know, taken care of, and you have a comfortable life, perhaps that's success. Right. But then what do you do with your other feelings? Right, because a lot of times, a lot of the things that we define as success in the society and a marriage has so much more to do with material perception, and material metrics, um, and then what we would ask is now we're, now we're going back to us talking to this a couple, ask them what their definition of success would be, and then after at some point then ask them, well, what role does truth and what role does growth play in it? Because truth may mess up of you know may may shorten your marriage from from thirty five years to fifteen. Yeah, you know, truth may reroute things. So a lot of time we want, you know, we have a good family, our kids are going to college, if they have good careers, or we're living in a nice neighborhood, we have a nice job. But we would like to ask, well, then, is, is, is what it looks like most important or how does it feel? I think, you know, if I was to determine <clears throat> success of my marriage or, you know, success of anything that I do in life, and that's something that I've done before and I do every day, when you know i would put myself like fast forward when i am at the end of my life and i'm looking back do i regret you know staying in the marriage do i regret 
anything that I had done, do I wish that I had done something differently or am I content? You know, if I'm content with how I have lived my life and if I was in a 50-year-long monogamous marriage and as I'm looking back, I do not wish that I had done something differently, then I think I would feel that I was successful at it. Right. And... And, 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 you know, you could probably have two people in the same marriage and one at the end of the life looks back and says, yeah, I feel content. Right. And the other, no, I actually wish that I had experienced more truth, that I had experienced more freedom. I wanted to connect with more people, but I didn't want to lie about it, and therefore I chose not to. Uh, and it could easily be in the same marriage. I, I guarantee course. you we know marriages now that that's, that's, it's happening in right now, and that's a challenge, you know, where uh, by definition, because we've committed to this marriage in this particular way, we feel obligated to keep it that way, and the partner that is very content, they have no... Uh, they have... Um, no motivation right. to spark any conversations because they're content. Right, they don't want to rock the but boat. But if I'm not content, I have to get through my fear of bringing it up and possibly fucking up this, this up whole the, thing. Yeah. So I'm going to sit on it way longer and feel, and feel antsy and feel uh, like I want to change things, but I'm so scared because I'm not supposed to because... My society have, has told me this whole time that this is what I'm supposed to be doing if I want to be successful. Right. So it's a lot more, you know, would take a lot more motivation for the person that may want change to open their mouth. Right. And here's the rub. Um, the rub is two people are very different. We can agree on our love on wanting to be together, probably for different reasons. Some some are in common, but some are very different reasons. Yeah. Um, now, two people over a period of 10, 15 years yeah. are very different because yeah. each person is going through very different uh, evolutions of who they are. Yeah. Very different. Yeah. So having a rigid structure and having a situation where, you know, everyone's expected to still fit in the same box in perpetuity forever um, is going to be tough. And like she was saying, some one of the two people may be completely content with how its structure is. The other person may be for the first five or ten years. Yeah. And then at the 11th year, they're starting to realize, like, my growth and what I want to do will not be tolerated or will not fit in this box. But they've associated the box with their love. Right. So they go, well, if I say this, it's going to disrupt our harmony and blow this thing up. Yep. So then I'm going to not say it. And what happens is that starts the erosion of I married my best friend. And when we start not being truthful yep. about things that are important to us. And so as Eula was saying, you know, one of her metrics would be at her end days looking back. Um, I would, mine would be, and this is something we can do in real time. If I did not have this marriage right now what would I be doing differently? Right. Would I be, you know, right. and why? 
Right. And then ask myself. That's a lot more efficient than waiting till your <laughs> right, last breath. <laughs> right. Still have energy to try to change this. And so what I what I do is try to go. Okay. Let me just imagine if I was single, and I had no. I had, my only responsibilities were me. Um, what would I do differently? What would I want to do? And then allow myself, without the critical parent, to go. Right. You don't want to think about it too much because you'll feel like shit if you can't have it. But think about it, and then go. Okay. Why can't I incorporate some of that in my current marriage? And for me, I go. Oh, I can. And then I just need to right. speak on it. Right. And so my goal is what's happened over the over the last you know ten years, so to speak, is I do this periodically. And each when you first start, maybe there's a bigger gap between what I want to do right. and what I can, what I think I can do. Right. But as you talk more and more, you're more brave. Like eventually, like now my gap is small next to nothing. Like what I would want to do outside of the marriage is not much different than what I do inside the marriage. Right. I may sit and hold, you know, my hand in my crotch a few hours longer every now and then. But, but so the goal is to kind of see what you'd really like I'll to do. I'll give you more time to sit with your hand exactly. in your crotch. You, you don't even have to ask for it. See the good conversation, how <laughs> it works. Um, but to me, that's a good metric. Every now and then, now and then, Allow yourself to be an individual again. Allow yourself to be clear about who you are and remind yourself that you had a you have a path before this marriage, before being a father, before being a mother, before being a husband or a wife. Check in with that person and see are there any things that you would like to do that truly you would like to do, not frivolous things, but deeply resonant things you'd want to do. And I think that it's not even the things that you want to do, but the feelings that you want to have more of. Right, true, Or true. feelings that you want to find. Maybe you used to have them, and now you, you realize, like, I don't have these feelings, or I don't have them as often. Right. And find them and figure out, well, what works for me? Right. Uh, how do I create them? And then can can I create them more of them inside of this structure that we have? Right. And when we, when she talks about feeling, which is exactly right, doing is an afterthought. Feeling right. motivates us to do. But when we say feelings, we're talking about vital nutrient feelings. Like I want to feel appreciated, right. loved, validated, special, excitement, joy, discovered, discovery, mystery, yeah. Yeah. all of these things that. Um, at some point in time, especially when you go from being single to being married, you lose. Right. Because it goes from passionate, which in the beginning of your relationship and your, your marriage, there is tons of discovery. There's tons of mystery. There's tons of learning. But then after you get routine set in for X amount of years because you finally got that structure, you let go of the freedom of being single and being all over the place to being structured and having you know, security. You work hard to build that security in a monogamous relationship. You work hard to get the house and the finances so you're stable and you can pay your bills. Um, with the freedom to go on vacations every now and then, you've worked hard to get to a financial and a place of life where you can have kids and you can have a house and you can have a good school. and you have. So that's an accomplishment. But that accomplishment changes your chemical balance. With, yeah. You know, you go from the freedom of like me and my girlfriend, we're going to... Peru, and then we're going to go to Europe, and then we're going right. to go to parties. And, and then, to, you, know. I, you know, to me, what I'm learning is that the biggest thing that is so dangerous uh, to lose 
and, and so easy to lose in a long-term committed closed relationship is that feeling of being discovered and being seen by another person. Right. And uh, it is amazing how deeply we hide it, how hard it is to admit to ourselves that that is what we want because that is what makes us realize how amazing we are. Right, reminds us. Reminds us how amazing we are. Um, the person that we are with every single day, day in and day out, that is always on the couch when we come home, <coughs> loves us, but they do not give it to us every day because we see each other every damn day right in every circumstance and you know yeah. in and even if we got it from them every day yeah it's not the same it's not the same because it's routine it's yep. like it's, a, it's a, the analogy i use is like you know you know for us <laughs> like looking at someone like an amazing athlete or a musician like prince or something is like wow or sade it's like a wow 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 um, but if you live with Sade every single day, you know she's amazing, but you're not mystified every second. It's, it gets routine. You don't like them any less. You don't think they're less valuable. It's just right. you're just less wooed and awed by their magic. It's like if you live with a magician, like the first few times he shows you that trick, you're like wow. But like every day he shows you that same trick, and you're like that's right. dope. Like I know it's dope, but I don't. My emotional doesn't gonna get that rise from it. And it's you know, and and then. It, this is not about sex. Right. And that's the key. You know, I think that it's really easy to go, oh, well, you just want to have sex with other people. And it's not that. Right. If uh, anything, that's just a branch. Because yeah. it's not about just the penis, vagina, 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 skin bumpings. It's about, well, I want to have sex because through that sex with right. someone else, I will get these core nutrients that I'm not getting. Right. And then... The bigger picture is that there are other ways of generating them, maybe with the same partner, but by creating space right. inside of the marriage. You know, I read a, a cool, uh, someone posted a really interesting uh, analysis of the difference between codependency and interdependency. Mm -hmm. And codependency is when you rely on each other for everything, for all of your nutrients, for all of the energies, for everything. Right. And that is what becomes unhealthy because you're sucking each other dry, like right. literally. Right. Interdependency is when you create space inside of your relationship and you individually become a more full, complete, interesting person, and then you contribute to each other. Right. But you have to create that space. It doesn't matter if it's a monogamous relationship or a non-monogamous, but you have to put an effort into creating this space where you individually realize who you are, who you need to be, you motivate yourself to be the best that you can be so that you can bring more into your uh, into your relationship and you give to your partner instead of sucking it out of them. Right. And that's interdependency and that can be a very highly functioning, highly rewarding type of relationship whether it's monogamous or not. Right. The problem is that if we don't build our monogamous marriage from the beginning, 
based on allowing each other space. Right. And it's not space to go and have sex with other people. Right. It's space to go hiking on your own. It's space to go discover your passions. Maybe you want to be a painter or you want to start writing books or you want to volunteer, whatever, on your own so that you have your own sources of creativity and people that contribute to just you and see you for who you are without your husband or wife attached to you. Right. And your partner does the same. And then when you come home in the evening, you actually have things to talk about. Right. Because you have done things and he has done things or she has done things. And now you have to, now you have like energy to bring in. Right. And you guys are creating your, that way you guys are creating your internal NRE, new relationship energy, because I, in essence, you guys are becoming new people every day. Mm -hmm. And when you stuck in, when you're when you get so comfortable in routine, and we both agree subconsciously to enable each other's fears, like I'm not gonna do too many things that trigger you, yeah. even if I want to do them, and you're not gonna do too many things that trigger me, and we micromanage each other's growth based upon our comfort, we be we stay the same person, and that becomes stale, and that sucks the passion in our way. If each person has room to grow and room to experiment with whatever, experiment with thoughts, experiment with a new passion, um, and then have the room to figure that out and then bring it to the table, then they become a different person, which means they have new to sh new energy to share. They can look at you with a new set of eyes because they see you from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. um, this can create the NRE, but unfortunately with rigid structures where we, where we create the set, unwritten set of rules in the beginning and never amend them, it becomes very restrictive and it's very scary to do or say anything that will disrupt that sanctity of yeah. marriage, so to speak. And it's not necessarily, you know, I don't think that it's creating rules from the beginning. You cannot go out on your own and you cannot do mm -hmm. things on your own. I think that that kind of stuff creeps in and then sets settles into these hard habits and uh, <clears throat> pre-existing conditions yeah. like because you like each other so much it is so fun to spend time together that you just keep doing that right. and then you forget that you're also able to and should be doing other things right and so the beginning it's part of it is I'm so excited I love you so much I want to spend all my time with you later it goes I love you so much I'm so committed to this structure and our relationship I'm so scared to see you go out with other people right. with a fear that you may leave me. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, those it's, are biggies. Uh, you know, and, then, and, and it's not about sex. Right. It's sex is a branch. Sex is not the root. The reasons why we, like we we're saying, do is because we're looking for increasing levels of certain nutrient feelings yeah, or avoiding uh, or, or reducing negative nutrient feelings. And, and just like, you know, creating... Uh, new energy for yourself to bring into the relationship is not about sex same way cheating is not about sex right the only definition of cheating that we you know we we all get triggered by and agree to and have to jump into action when that happens is sexual infidelity right but then before that happens there's probably been years of actual cheating that's going on in a a relationship, relationship that yeah. no one is thinking about bringing to the other's attention right. because it's not 
sexual infidelity right. and and it is insane how common it is and how dangerous it is and how we do not recognize it as as uh, cheating or right as, as clear-cut cheating as me going to have sex with somebody else is right so for, let's go into that we'll go into these um, these many ways that we start to, to cheat and, and really boil cheating down to a root action energy but first so here's a pitfall that will lead into this so what happens if you want to have sex three times a week and I want to have sex five times a week Listen, this is the biggest so so we'll let them think about it for a second because everybody's been in a relationship where that's the case so this right here will symbolize the biggest challenge in monogamous relationships is that normally what happens whoever has the least yep is what everyone has to do exactly so like we have friends who are like you know the the guy's like well I, you know my wife only likes to have sex you know like a couple times a week but i like to have it like if i could have it once a day i could so i'm like so what happens it's like well like, we have it once you know, once a week, and unless I push and push and push, I may get a couple extra. Then it in. becomes service sex. Then it becomes service sex. So, but in every other part of that marriage, that rule is not enacted. If you like to go to the gym three times a do. week, and I like to go to the gym never, no times a week, <laughs> I'm not saying, well, shit, you can't go. Right. I, I don't want to go, so you can't go. Right. Like that in any other setting sounds so irrational. Right. But we allow so much irrationality via the, the, the clickbait of sex because we have so many weird sensitivities and triggers based in that sexuality that we allow things that make absolutely no sense in any other part of our life or relationship to happen. But now, since we've identified, so the funny thing is like sex is like, when people people will go from every spectrum, sex is not everything. Sex isn't everything. We don't, why do we have to have that in a relationship? It's not everything. But then it's like the way we act when someone wants to have more sex or other sex. It's the most important thing. If you do that, right. our relationship's over. Right. Once you like cheat, that. it's over. Well, it wasn't important to you. I didn't think that it was important right. to you. You made why? me feel dumb for wanting it so much, and now right. all of a sudden and you want it so bad that you so. Right. So, but that's the clickbait. But what we're talking about, we'll get into now more is. Sex is not the root. The same way sexual infidelity is not the root. And the root that we'll discuss now manifests itself in many different forms of cheating in relationships that's non-sexual that are just as devastating um, and have negative effects on them. So right. And it that. starts really with our definition of best friend. Right. Well, not, not the definition, but the essence of best friends becoming your partner changing how we actually treat that friendship and once we stop sharing important things that you know bother us or we want to discuss that pertain to our relationship once once we stop sharing all of it or parts of it with our partner right but we go outside of our partnership to talk about it to somebody else right that's where cheating begins 
Right, and that's the that's the that's the essence of the cheating. And I but think we'll have a lot of arguments against this. Yes, here. Well, for sure. So here's a funny thing. So the same way we we're talking about how you know marriages, the, the art goes from passionate to companionate, and to like I love this person so much, I want to spend all my time with them. To I love this person so much, I, can't, I I'm so afraid of them actually uh, spending time with anybody else. It's the same thing with a best friend. It can be the same type of concept. And best friends, there's a period of time where we're like, we love each other so much that my best friend is such my best friend that I want to share everything with this person. I want to talk to them about everything. I want to just come to them with everything. And then at some point it shifts to where this is my best friend. I never want to hurt them. I never want to hurt them. So I'm going to protect them from everything, including, my, including truths that may hurt them. Yep. So it shifts from like I love them so much I want to share everything with them to like I love them so much I never want to hurt them. It's interesting how it really changes when we go from real true friendship mm-hmm. to the love, romantic love relationship. Right. It switches right away. Right. Like when you and I were friends, without we may have messed around, but we didn't we weren't in the relationship. Right. I could tell you anything, which right. I did. Right. But then once it goes into we're locked in committed right whoa that changes so fast it becomes impossible to start right. sharing those things it's so built into into us right it's we're, insane yeah we're terrified of ruining it now now we're like walking on landmine yeah. eggshells and so it switches from honesty it, honesty and truth is the biggest form of love you can share to protecting them and never hurting them becomes the biggest form um, but yes yeah, so let's get into this you know people always act as if sex infidelity sex you know cheating is only sex but we've looked we've written a few articles and we've, we've talked about this many times between ourselves is that cheating can be I'm not telling my partner that I've changed in certain ways and I'm just not sharing that with this person um, It can be situations to where, you know, my desires in how we live our life or what we do with our finances or whatever, I, I don't, I want to change them. I'm not feeling how we do it, but you know what? It's just easier to not deal with it. I'm just not going to tell it, yeah. but I'll complain to my coworkers or my friends. And, or, you know, I think there is like a little bit of a space where you can talk to your friends as preparation or maybe like using right. it as the pondering grounds right. like a sounding wall right. but with full intent to once you understand what is it that you're thinking right. or feeling then you go back to your partner and actually have that conversation right so you know there is that little yeah. area so there's room i mean there's, there's definitely nuance for but sure. if you have no intent of talking to your partner about right. it like a lot of you know and i don't have girlfriends that sit around and complain how boring or you know how terrible sex with their partners is and but they have to have it but right. i have friends that have friends that do that right well that is totally cheating like right. that sitting around with your girlfriends talking about how unattractive your your partner is and how you really don't feel like having sex and such a drag you have right. to do it That's totally that's cheating. cheating. And it's so cliche. You look at every movie and TV shows about married couples after years. The men get together and talk about all the shit. Let's they, talk you know, about it so. as the why is it cheating. Right. Well, so let's go through a few more of these forms of cheating, and then we'll tie them all down to the root that we want to talk about. So that's another form of cheating. 
Um, another form of cheating is no longer doing what you said you were always going to do with, for them. Yeah. Not like a man cheating on a woman is on her, on his wife or girlfriend is maybe they're just not as they're not as um, romantic with them. They don't go out of their way to make them feel special anymore. Yeah. Um, they don't do the little things that they did to get them to yeah. keep them. They don't do that anymore. That's a form of cheating. You stop growing as an individual because you're now comfortable mm -hmm. because you've got everything that you wanted and now you're done. Yeah. That is totally cheating. That's a breach of the... That the, is not the person who... That is bait and switch. Right. And that's cheating. That should be illegal in any marriage. Right. That is, I mean, that is bait yeah. and switch. I did not get attracted to a, to a boring, unmotivated person. Right. I was attracted to someone who looked and felt and sounded like they were interested in learning about themselves, in growing and learning about life and going through challenges and now all they want to do is sit on the couch right. watch tv eat food that i prepare and that's it right that is bait and switch i would like put it at the top of cheating right guillotine status but yeah these are all forms of cheating now what the root of most of these are is when you start to deceive your partner, you start to downplay your truth, you start to um, disregard your commitment to them, your responsibility to this relationship's yeah. growth and, and vibrance. Now, deceit, deflection, downplay, and disregard are root things. Those can happen through sex. Those can happen through Finances; Those can happen through just habitual, the way a person decides to not grow. Um, it can happen in I'm confiding in somebody else about you way more than I'm telling you. And, yeah. I, and I'm coming home acting like everything is okay. Um, a guy who's married, who acts like he's not attracted to any women, talking to his boyfriends like, boyfriends, talking to his friends like, yo, dude, I just bumped into so-and-so. Oh, my God. Like, we hit it off so well, blood. Like, I had to watch myself, dude. I, and then they come home, honey, it was fine. How was it? Oh, you know, it was nothing. You know, it was cool. We just kind of, you know, I bumped into a cool couple friends from the past. And that was it. Yeah. All, all the downplaying and deflecting create, creates, it creates distance in the gaps in the people. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, as we were talking and I was, I was uh, you know, thinking my marriage, my relationship with John, you know, if if I was to just go factually through it, you know, people would say, well, you cheated on him. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's, that's bad, you know, because I technically did at right. the end. But the basis of it was cheating. He and I got together. I had no idea about his, his drinking, uh, like about his addiction. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know about his habit. You know, partially it's my fault for not doing due diligence, but you don't think to do due diligence on those things. And you get together and he didn't disclose it. Whereas now I'd be like, dude, you have an obligation to tell me that you actually have this habit and let me decide if it's something I want to live with or not. Right. But you absolutely did not. You slid it in and then... I started discovering it on my own 
when I thought it was too late because I was pregnant with Karina. Right. And then I had to discover it. I had to go through all of my attempts to uh, to navigate it and maybe find, you know, some common whatever, some compromise. Right. It took me five years, seven years, two kids, blah, 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 which I don't regret at all. But that whole experience, if I was to factually lay it out, I'm the bad one because I cheated on him. Right. And I left him, and he couldn't handle it, and he died. Right. But the actual real story is a lot more complicated and right. involves cheating from the beginning by someone who did not disclose a vital fact, which ended yeah. up, uh, you know, with my choice to leave him because right. I couldn't reconcile it. Right, and then the irony is that when you, when you discover it and you try to bring it up to them as it being an issue, a lot of the first reaction a lot of people will have is, well, this is who I am. Right. And this I mean, we, we went through all of it. Yeah. And, you know, at the very end, it was like, I'm not hurting anyone. What am I doing wrong? I'm not, you know, I'm not violent. Right. I'm not belligerent. Uh, what do I do wrong? Like, he right. literally couldn't understand. I could not explain it to him to where he could. But that's the nature of addiction. Right. That's like, yeah, the you know, but the, the, the deception and the cheating is in the fact that he did not show me his whole self. Right. So in the same way, someone who is, uh, you know, courting you and is presenting his best self to you, right. uh, whether through how good they are with sex or how, uh, how motivated they are to grow, once they, you know, if, they cha if that changes after you're married, right. that's deception from the beginning. Right. Especially if they knew. Yep. You know um, that they had this. So it's like you know. It's, it's so back to the the irony of it all. So we act like our marriages are the most sacred relationships ever, but yet we don't hold them to the same standards we would for a job applicant or a business partner or a friend. If we find a out friend. a friend lied to us, right? Like or is withholding information. We're quite upset. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you think about these things like for. You know, for a business partner, you'd be like, okay, like, I need to know, tell me about your habits, your histories, or whatever, you know. And if they're like, well, I, you know, I've been told I have an alcohol problem. Right. You'd be like, oh, well. How does it manifest? What happens? Does it affect your daytime thinking? Right, because like, we're about right. to invest a lot of money, a lot of time in us doing this together. And I would need to know if there, is there anything that I should know about you that's going to, that can possibly right. jeopardize, um... Yeah, our arrangement. Yeah. So. Yep. So then, you know, I mean, all of that is a form of cheating that we are not used to thinking about. That uh, is definitely, as we're speaking, I can feel uh, you guys fighting it. Um, but just sit on it and, yeah. and just analyze whatever is going on in your world and see you know who's really cheating and what does it mean right and think about think about the different ways of cheating that we discussed and how it makes you feel when you think of them and then if if the sexual one spikes ask yourself why and i have a hunch that majority of us would trace it back to the 
fact that we think sex is the most divine, sacred thing, even though we know it's not. Because every time we do it, it doesn't always mean the same thing. We've, we've all experienced sex where it was joyful, where it was fun, where it was spiritual. And we've also experienced sex where it was felt manipulative, <laughs> where it felt unhealthy, and it felt, you know, abusive. So... But yeah. it all stems from that. And we, although we know that that's not true and we've discussed this enough, we haven't married that to our emotions to undo the emotional trigger of that. So none of these specific things about cheating are not exclusively to monogamy. But the challenge that monogamy has is it's very rigid yep. if you're not careful. It's very rigid and we go from, like Yula was talking about, from my best friend I want to tell everything to if we were ever best friends before we got together to I'm so afraid of ruining this I'm going to try to not tell I'm okay. not going to try to rock this boat and then what happens how can how can we handle any change right like is this built for change let's say classic has nothing to do with sex I am the you know the money maker in the family historically that's what it is i have a career that i'm lucky enough to make enough money for us to live on what happens if i feel in my gut that this what i'm doing now whereas it was fine before no longer suits me as a person right like this now has started to suffocate me i cannot see myself doing it for more than a year Right. And I bring it up and I go, Tion, we have a problem. I now feel this way about my career. I understand that this is our livelihood. I'm not saying I'm going to leave right now. But what I'm putting out on the table is that I need to, we need to plan for a change because I cannot last for more than blah, 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 right. because it's killing my spirit and it's not good for my health. And I just, I don't want to die with just that. Right. Yeah. So now, you know, we have to plan for it. Right. Can you do that in your right. marriage? Will your relationship withstand that? And, you know, the biggest challenge that we've encountered when talking to long-term, long-term, like, you know, 15, 20 plus uh, married couples is anything that destabilizes what they have yep. is to be avoided at all costs unless it's deathly unavoidable. Right. Yep. And so change destabilizes. Truth mm -hmm. destabilizes. Growth destabilizes. Expansion destabilizes. And then what's valued is consistency and steadiness over truth, growth, right. and that stuff. Or, you know, I, hey, I, ha I want to now work for this company that requires me to be out on the road 50% of the time, and I'm really excited about it. Right, right. But that means that you have to take care of the house, right. the kids, it's gonna change the, the everything. Whole, yeah. It's going to change the whole thing. And, you know, Tiana and I factually have gone through these exercises a number of times, you know, when his career had changed, when we were considering my changes in my career, whether it's taking more responsibility, whether it's considering taking another job that would cause all these shifts 
you know, and some of the changes we had gone through, other changes we chose not to take because we didn't like the how it would, right. you know, affect uh, both of us. Right. But we definitely had conversations, and the, and we had these conversations together openly. So whatever decision decisions that we made to either go forward or to say no, thank you, um, we made it together with support of each other, whoever's whoever's decision it was primarily. So that way no one ended up resenting the other person for not supporting what they wanted to do. And I've seen this happen many times being in the music industry where the guy has an opportunity, because you know, unfortunately the guy is usually the, this magician, that magician, musicians that I've been talking to. Right. I'm sure it happens to women as well. Um, but the guy will be like, you know, um, I got this opportunity and my career's picking up, I'm gonna start touring more. And they maybe did one tour and they're like, oh my God, this is really working. And they go back home to talk to their, their wife or their girlfriend about it. And the girlfriend's like, no, that's not what we agreed to. That's not who I married. And you can't. And because he goes, you have to pick up the kids. You have right, to, because, yeah. yeah, this is not what I signed up for. And the guy goes, yeah, no, I feel you. But then they resent the person because they feel like that person was not supportive of their dreams or whatever circumstance. So we try to make sure that whatever decisions we move through – we support each other. So if it's Eula's decision that she's pondering about making a career move or making uh, a career increase that's going to take more of her time or whatever, um, ultimately it's her decision. I support the decision and we just ponder the pros and cons of it. But at the end of the day, she gets to make that decision on what she feels is best for her in regards to her life and us. Yeah. So that way if she chooses, you know what, it's not worth it. She feels wholeheartedly for herself that it's not worth it for me. And part of me is my factoring in what I want and have to do with my family. So before we go into the, the break. No, I, there's oh. one more piece that I wanted to round this out with. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Before okay. we go into the break, um, you know, there's other things I'm sure you want to add. But one thing we should talk about is, you know, a little bit about the destabilization. Because we know couples who've been together for 20, 30 years that they're already seeing the writing on the wall, so to speak. But... The fear of like changing this whole thing, yep. which has been my whole identity, is is just almost you know right, and that's monstrous. what I I wanted to talk about. Teamwork. Oh, you weren't even looking at my notes. I don't even know about no notes. Mm, you can't even read. <laughs> <laughs> Your notes. <laughs> Your notes. Uh, you know, like knowing how hard and scary and terrifying change is in general looking at changing a uh, structure that we had created together and been living in right. for so many years, I think makes it really, really difficult to uh, separate what are we afraid of? Are we afraid of losing the person that we've uh, spent so much time with or are we afraid of losing the structure that is now our life? Right. that we built together. And, you know, I don't know the proper answer to that. You know, I'm sure that it differs uh, from a situation to situation. But in general, it feels to me that a lot of the fear that we face, you know, I face the same fear with when I chose to uh, leave my first husband. Right. Uh, you know, I ended up with two kids and no support and blah, blah, blah. But that was my choice right but 
do we how much of and it's scary as hell like it literally is very scary i mean even if you have major problems with your partner changing that structure is a huge change Mm -hmm. everything changes yeah um and it's scary but you know how do we be honest with ourselves and separate the fear of losing the structure mm-hmm. from the fear of losing the person. Right. And a lot of times, like we were talking about this in this episode, we associate all things divine and special about our relationship and the structure. And we, we think it's one and the same. The structure and the person yep. is one and the same. And so if we lose the structure, we will lose the person. But what we don't realize is that sometimes the structure loses the person. Sometimes the structure has strangled the passion, the growth, the excitement, the joy um, out of that person that made you love that person in the beginning. And it wasn't the relationship that struggled, that strangled it per se. It's the rigid structure that ultimately may not fit both of you guys anymore. And so sometimes destroying the structure or rebuilding the structure, part of breaking it down, um, can save your connection with this person. Yeah, we've, um, uh, I don't remember who we've talked to. You know, when people go from being together all the time, having the structure where you live together, you do everything together, everything's, you know, set in, all of your routines, every, everything uh, is just as it has been for the last 10 years. Right. When you go from that to maybe getting separate places right. and dating each other, right. it changes right. how you feel about each other, how much energy you're now motivated to put into now making sure that person actually does want to go out with right. you when you want to see them. Right. Because you now yeah. have to like sell yourself again. Right. And you, you guys both have space to do your own thing and the opportunity to ponder like is this what I want to do so when you say yes you're consciously choosing that and making plans proactively which shows someone they're special and they care so it's possible to do it without physically separating but it's very hard right because routine you know yeah yeah, so so this this half of eyes wide the monogamous monogamous part of it is very similar to um, the typical structure that we've been taught where you go out of college and you get a job and you work for one company for a long period of time for security and structure and the feelings that people have when they get fired or have, think about changing careers because there's, their identity has been with this company for so long. Yep. Less and less in the last 20 years, that's the case. We're getting more into understanding the alternative ways that you can have a career or you can have multiple careers in a life and still be successful. And this ties right into where we're getting into in the next part, which is the alternatives to monogamy. It's very parallel. The same way 20 years ago, you had a career that was pretty much gonna be your career. You were pretty much banking on like that was gonna be your deal. People changing careers all the time was looked at like that's very unstable, that's very dangerous. But what happened is, in the last 20 years, we've, we've accepted that there are many more ways to do this. And all of a sudden, with that acceptance and encouragement, people are doing it very different ways and changing throughout their life and having many different careers. But what that does 
is their sense of connection with who they are and their love is not tied to the structure. It's not tied to the symbolic of who they are because they move through so many different things that they're not their identity and their core sense of self is not through one relationship, one yeah. job career. So, and, uh, but it's still hard. Like it's oh yeah. still not easy. Oh yeah. I mean, I've spent I spent I think an actual full twelve months convincing yeah. someone who I'm hoping is listening right. to go from a job that right. she had for many many years that didn't treat her right, that right. paid her pennies, right, but was comfortable to go and work with me where she didn't know anything it was a new thing right and it was scary it took me a whole year of like a very concerted effort to, right. to make the change and yeah. but once the change was made it was great it's like right. oh my god these people actually appreciate me right and that's you know fear our yeah. fear you know fear versus excitement are we when it comes to change are we terrified of what the change may be or are we excited about what the change can be um, so but this, the analogy I like to use for monogamy versus the other stuff, the non and opens and whatever, is almost very similar to working a job to being an entrepreneur, being your, oh, own, yeah. being your own boss. So we'll get into that. This is the Black Russian Podcast, episode 41, Eyes Wide, Tianbuku One, Yoda the Park Ranger. We're going to get into some Kesnami, which is a new artist that I just found out our friend is managing. And this is a song with him in Chronix. Nice. Chronix has been in my ears for two days now. Yeah. Sure. Yes, 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 yes. That was Keznamdi featuring Chronic's title of Victory. Every now and then we get a little charged up. 
on these episodes and how we're talking and what we're talking about. So we always bring in some good Roots Vibes reggae tunes to ease back into the zone. So I'm easy now. Easy, easy thing. So, yeah. So we did the Eyes Wide first half, which is about going into committed long-term monogamous relationships, Eyes Wide, and knowing the pitfalls and challenges that you'll have to look out for if you wish to make it one that suits you through your life as you are in this relationship. Now, we are going eyes wide into the land beyond monogamy in open or poly or monogamish or whatever it is, title, which should always be secondary to what you core feel. Title it later. We get so caught up in in titles and templates that we don't realize they're very limiting. They may be fitting for a day or two or a year, but they don't always fit. So I really, luckily for me or unluckily, I've been looking to love without possession beyond monogamy since 1998. I didn't have any terminologies. I didn't read any books. I just knew I had to find a way to love where I was able to appreciate and not try to make it mine. I could go to you know, a botanical garden, so to speak, and admire the flyers, the flowers that are there and not need to pluck them to make them beautiful or to feel connected to them. So I've learned to just build relationships based upon how we feel and what we want and to define it later. And probably they have many labels at some point. I just don't like following the rules. Or you're like Blue Blue, who doesn't like following the rules. Yeah. But anywho... Templates are just goofy. So, nope. But anyways, for the sake of conversation, outside of monogamy. So now, the cool thing about this other world is where monogamy is more security heavy and freedom lowered, this area is more freedom heavy and security lowered. So it has its whole other set of pitfalls and challenges that you will endure because... In this in this styles of relationship, you can't just click save. Can I adjust what you said? Yes. Okay. Ten seconds. Security quick. is not lowered; it's in a different place. It's yes. Okay, elaborate. So, to feel secure in a in most closed relationships. Right. You feel secure in the structure of it. Mm-hmm. You feel secure in the promise that you gave each other that you will be here. Mm-hmm. I will find you on this couch every day I come home. Mm-hmm. Uh, security in a non-monogamous relationship, and mm-hmm. I can only refer to our relationship, mm-hmm. shifts from that into being secure in who you are what you want and how you decided to go about it. Right. The process of that shift is where is is, is what's very difficult. Right. Yes. Yeah, so that that is absolutely correct. I I will accept and appreciate that amendment. Um, but yeah. So from traditional security, I mean relationships, traditional security, um, monogamy usually tends to be very secure but less freedom. You can't do as much as you want. You can't change it when you want. You can't have as variety of a lifestyle as you want without consent from the other person, which may or may not because part of the ethos of the relationship is mine, mine, all mine, yours, yours, we are together, we're one. So in this style, 
it's not like that. You can have many, which means it's your by your choice, by your design at any given time. At any given time, you could be seeing one person and meet somebody else and decide you want to incorporate them into your life. At any given time, you could be, I'm super into Prince and all I've been listening to for the last two years is Prince, but now I've discovered Sade and I want to, I want to incorporate Sade into my musical selections each day. And you have the freedom to do that without destabilizing your foundation because your foundation is not that. But like you're saying, it is very difficult to find your security in the non-monogamous world because we've been conditioned to associate relationship and love security with the material structure. The same way we're talking about the analogy with the workforce, in the past we based our security on job security, that our job was secure in a big stable company. And now we're going into entrepreneurship where the stability is not in one particular company because that just may be a client that may or may not last. So your security has to be in, in your, your mission, set. in your skill set, so on and so forth. So let's go into some, you know, challenges of this open world. Well, other than the challenge of shifting that security from the other person into yourself. Right. You know, there is a lot of difficult, smaller challenges that come up mm-hmm. that we don't have to deal with in the in the monogamous world right you know we've encountered i would say all of them right (laughs) many times i have i have a list here and we have encountered all of them okay well let's let's go through a few we'll talk about the list all right so what happens when i want to date your friend right like speak on it you know uh, I'm learning that I am definitely the type of a person that wants to watch someone, uh, you know, get get close to someone through, you know, being around, watching how they operate, uh, seeing how they move, you know, in terms of, you know, there's physical, but then there's also how they do things. What mm-hmm. are they into? How do they interact with other people? How are they, what else are they doing in their life? And then, you know, if I like that, then my natural attraction starts to develop. A lot of the times, because of how we live, it will be someone that comes from your world. Right. uh, Or you introduce me to, or I watch as you and I do our things together. Right. You know, whether it's someone we're painting with, whether it's someone in your music world, whether it's someone in our business world. Right. So how do we deal with that? Right. Oh, I thought you were going through the list. You're just like no, well, that's me. that's that's one of the bigger. Right. You know, that's yes. something that you don't encounter in the monogamous world. Right. You encounter that indirectly because a lot of the times, okay, people are people. Humans are humans. You know, monogamous or non-monogamous, we have a circle of friends. We attract people, right, right into our world that we're interested in. Right. So natural, it's supernatural to develop you know, different levels of interest and attraction to someone in your world, whether they come to you directly or through your partner. Right. So in monogamous world, you admire these people. You fantasize about getting with them, but you can't for many reasons. Like you wouldn't even dare think about it, talk about it, bring it up. Right. In in our world, we can. Right. 
how does that feel? And there's different levels of, there is the instant feeling, right. but then there is the underlying, more deep, logical, and long-lasting, stable feeling. Right, so the, the challenge, this exemplifies one of the really big challenges in non-monogamy is that rules, there is not one rule for everybody. Everybody has different rules, and not only that, but your rules may be questioned um, in each relationship as to why you have that rule. Um, so, and you'll have to be willing to go deep and unearth your true fears because you're much more apt to be challenged in conversation as to why is that a rule where in monogamy you may have never had to think about it. It just, just right. is. It's just stupid. Right. We don't date, we don't, you know, shit where you eat or whatever we say. Right. Um, so this situation that we've been through in this exemplifies that. Um, technically, as we, as we grew, why would I not want my wife to connect with someone that I, I'm close to? That's clearly someone that I've deemed I respect, that I care, that I trust. That cares about you, that cares, that cares about, about us. Right. So technically, that would be the type of person that if I was going to have a choice, which I don't have a full say in what my partner right. does, but if I did... I would rather them be with somebody that I feel I, I know they trust and care about both of us. And I think that we actually made that transition gracefully or not, mostly not very gracefully. Right. You know, over like all of our years together. Right. Whereas, you know, my biggest challenge was when I did get attracted to close friend of yours. Right. And I chose, and you're like, yeah, you can't. And I said, okay, fine. But then right. I, I chose to lie about it. Right. You know, that was very ungraceful. Uh, but then through us getting through that process and then processes thereafter and then, you know, me being attracted to somebody else, you know. Right. That was the point where you're like, dude, if you're just direct with me about it, I would rather you were with someone I know because right. I know them. Right. I know what they will and will not do, not physically, but in terms of like, you know, harm emotionally, mentally, harm, <clears throat> care, what kind of person they are, you know, that they won't do anything stupid. You're not going to go get, you know, stupid with them. Right. They're not going to manipulate you, you know, emotionally or intellectually or, or whatever. Right. They're not going to physically abuse you. So I'd rather you do that. We just need to do it in a way that is kind to both of us and very direct. Right. That's a challenge that, you know, comes with generally an open relationship. Right. Exactly. But especially so. when you're trying to be close to someone that is friends with your partner. Right. And, the cha you know, so that challenge brings up uh, one of the root challenges that when you're trying to do, trying to love in an alternative to monogamy is that our society, internal society and our external society is not conditioned to. So uh, there's a lot of things that will logically go, well, that makes sense. We shouldn't possess each other. We shouldn't be micromanaging each other's lives beyond. And we understand that this person had their own freedom before we met them. And that's what had them create the lives that made the person that we like. So why would we change that? Okay. But our DNA is like, no. But when you're with somebody, you're with somebody. And that's one-on-one. -on -one, and I need to be chosen. I need to know they only want me and my special. So we have to constantly undo that and challenge that and ask ourselves, are these beliefs that we have ours because we've made a conscious decision and it fits our now conscious mathematics? Or is it something that's just from the old world? Um, and so for me, anybody but my friend was from the old world. 
Because normally in the old world, my trauma was when I introduced a woman that I cared about to a friend of mine and they started to like each other, that meant the end of me and that woman's relationship because she only had to choose one. Right. Um, in this one, it doesn't have to be that at all. But So I had to amend that. And through years, the slow route, I had to come to, as I grow, go back and check my rules. And at one point, I checked my rules and realized that my rule was not one that was based upon the, like love. It was based upon fear. Yep. And it was based upon control to, pre- yep. to prevent myself from being hurt. And so I had to come back to Eula and be like, you know what? Remember when I said this? That doesn't make any sense. Right. So if you have if you have any desire to connect with this person, I fully understand, and I would I think it would be dope. So, but you know, and then <clears throat> once we shift that mentality, then what becomes more comfortable is both me coming to you and like, hey, I'm really liking right. blah blah blah, and I can tell you why, and you can see it, and right. it makes total sense. And I can relate. To and it. you can relate yeah. to it. You understand why you're still sensitive, but you know you understand why versus me going hey i met this dude on okc right he's super cool i'm gonna go out you right. know nothing about them right you just know whatever pictures i showed you and whatever is in the profile which may or may not you know accurately right. describe who they, who they are and like you have no feeling about them so now you go in um, i imagine you know from my side when right. you do that when you meet someone you know, online, and I only know what I know from you. Right. It takes me a while to understand how I feel about it, right. because I have to start feeling their vibe towards right. you. Right. If you, if you know, if, if you already know the person, you know their vibe. Right. You know, okay, the energy is clean. Right. Versus, oh, this person's gonna manipulate her. He's gonna try and whatever whatever give her jewels and you know private planes and you know it's going to take me away from take her away from me right so it flips but you got to make that transition right and so in realms beyond monogamy let's just call it open for now on just like the general poly i mean just meaning multiple more than one that's all it means but we'll get into the specifics um but the the constant challenge is you will have to um communicate a lot every person you meet will have a different story will have a different set of boundaries that they have will have a set of different expectations and desires so each time you will constantly will be communicating who you are where you're from what your boundaries are and what do we want to do as the person you are and this new person you connect with because everyone will be very different based upon how you connect with them you know, is it more attraction? Is it more companionship? Um, is it once a year because they live out of town, which it may be like a very high spiking, passionate right. thing? Is it just like a casual homie that you are around off and on through the weeks, but you only hook up to really do anything that's personal or sexual maybe every now and then? It's, they're all very different. Um, and we've learned the hard way through, you know, just action that you can't assume Right. Everybody, you can't assume everybody that's poly or open thinks exactly the same way, has the exact same concerns and triggers. Like they're so vastly different. And the the benefit of this realm where there are no preset rules is everybody gets to live a little bit more uniquely like who they are, as erratic 
as colorful, right. as crazy, as kinky, as loud as they want to, which means you get a bigger diversity of people that you're interacting with. And I think, you know, like as I'm going through my processes of, of you know, uh, not knowing if I can, uh, you know, how much of it I can handle on my side to like settling in, I right. think the settling in part is I understand more of who I am and what I want right. and what drives me. And that calms me down and gives me like, you know, this nice comfortable seat to hang out in and just right. watch and feel and observe, you know, who's in front of me. Right. And then have this you know, the ability or, or op opportunity to d remind myself, what do I want? Right. Am I getting this feeling from this interaction or not? Right. You know, and that like it reinforces over and over again as you interact with a new person, it reinforces what is it that you want and right. how do you want to do it? Right. This, this style of relationship or relating is not a click save style. Like monogamy, you click save. Yeah. And you you kind of you're on cruise and control. And you like forget what is it that you wanted right. to begin with. Right. This one reminds you all the time yes. because you have to make a choice all the time. Does this feel good? Right. Does this feel does not feel good? Does this feel like something I want more of? Right. Do I want to learn more about it or not? Or right. is this actually okay? Here's where I get off. Right. And, and that's the analogy where it's more like entrepreneurship. This is your business. Any decision that is made. And your business comes through you again. You have to say yes or no. Do we right. want to take this client on? Do we want to not right. take this client on? Do we want to add this employee or not? Whereas in a job, you have your, we're here. This is what we do. I show up, clock in, and do my thing. Um, so you are, so the benefit and the detriment of this style is you are constantly in the driver's seat. You're constantly being able to have the choice or burden of making your own decisions, of articulating your own decisions to yourself, asking yourself these questions and speaking on them. So, you know, there's a lot of moving parts, there's a lot of possibilities, there's a lot of different energies, so it can get very overwhelming. And so one of the challenges also is finding your pace. Yep. And the saying that I use that helps me and that I've talked to you about is, just because we can, doesn't mean we have to or should. Right. Like, just because we have the freedom to do whatever we want to do doesn't mean we just go apeshit. The, the ultimate part of that sentence is what we want to do. Yep. So my definition of freedom may be meeting many, many people and constantly interacting and talking to hella different people. Eula's may be much more selective and quieter because my pace would drive her insane. It would give her headaches <laughs> yes. and shit. Um, and so a lot of time when we first get into this style of relating outside of monogamy, it's kind of like being released. And so a lot of times people don't know what they want. They just know what they're tired of and what they don't want. So a lot of us can go nuts and go wild and be like, oh my God, I can, you mean I can say yes to as many things as I want to? I can experience, so they explore and they go wild because you first taste the freedom. It's like a kid when they first get out of their parents' house and go to college away. They go nuts. And then after a year or two, they kind of settle in and like, okay, I've done all this crazy shit. I'm now used to my freedom. Right. I'm not acting like it's only going to be a limited time before I'm reeled back in. Right. So I need to go ape shit now. It's like, no, no. I'm, this is my permanent life now. 
So let me figure out what I want. I can say yes to this, no to this, knowing that two weeks from now, if I don't like that or want more of something else, I can still do that. Right. And then, you know, I think that the most important part in this process is something that we, uh, it is easier to forget how to do in a closed relationship because we don't have to, is to remember what makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. Because if you go by what makes you feel good, not from the status perspective, not from I can't do this, therefore I will, right. but like honestly, what gives you that feeling of, you know, I'm, I'm happy, I'm satisfied, I am where I feel I should be. Right. And then, you know, go with that feeling. And every new uh, interaction, you re- literally let yourself feel. Does right. this add to this feeling? Does it take away? Some of my interactions make me jittery, and I'm like, right. oh, I need to not do this. Right. And it doesn't matter if it's a you know woman or a man, if it's you know a sexual attraction or not. But some inter- some people bring in the energy that is not conducive to my sense of where I want to be. And currently, very strongly, it's I want to feel peaceful, right. comfortable, and happy. Right. If my interaction with you adds to it, great. We're right. gonna do more of that until it becomes, you know, it hits my limit. Right. If my interaction with you takes away from that feeling, I will stop right there. Right. Yeah. And But you have to listen to yourself. Like it's taken I think the whole, you know, the, at least the length of this podcast in terms of we've been doing this what two and a half, three years now. Yeah, yeah. That's how definitely how long it's taken me to get to the point where I can hear myself. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so this style of relating um, requires you to spend more time with yourself, to, to hear your voices, to hear your core voice, um, to get better at listening to other people, communicating with different people. It all requires different styles. Different people communicate different ways. We can use similar language and mean very different things. So this really gives you a chance or the burden of clarifying like people say things and you're like you have to go what does that mean to you because it's very different because you're dealing with many different people um, through this process another challenge is understanding and embracing the now and understanding and embracing impermanence Um, typically in, in monogamous relationships once you get in it, you're probably going to be in it for a minute. Like, yep. usually long after you've decided you probably don't want to be in it or it's not as good as it used to be, you're probably still in it. Yep. And this style of relating, things can seem amazing. And then, poof, the person's changed course. And right. you may or may not know why. Because everyone has their own freedom to do what they feel they need to do at every time. Exactly. Everyone has the freedom to be who they are, as erratic as they are, as consistent as they are, as confused as they are. They can take as much time away as they want. They can give as much energy as they like. There is no pre-existing mandate that makes somebody do something beyond what they want to do. So there's more turnover. There's room for more turnover. There's 
room for this isn't working for me. There's room for I'm going to show you it's not working for me by just not talking to you ever again. Right. <laughs> um, and all of this is, you know, that's what freedom looks like. And, and you know, I think that um, this isn't, I know when we were talking about it, it can feel or seem like, whoa, that's a lot, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of turnover, it's scary, but it gives you not only like it reinforces what you want and what you you know the clear understanding of what you like what you don't like mm -hmm. but it also continuously uh gives you different energy mm -hmm. uh versus you know all of us have been in set not just relationships you know with our main partner but relationships with people around us and a lot of them uh, maybe we have outgrew Right. They may not have, you know, we've gone right and they've stayed where they were or they went left and we don't want to go there. But because they're friends and, you know, right. family or whatever, we continue these interactions that no longer feed us the good food that we actually realize we need now. Right. So going through process of figuring out what relationships in our lives help us feel how we want to feel today versus how we used to want to feel maybe when we were partying 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a very useful exercise that we all should be doing uh, and most of us don't do. Right. You know, yeah. like in this, in this uh, world of open relating, when it comes to intimacy, you know, we're forced to do it all the time because people react very differently to intimacy than they do to like a non-sexual friendship. Right. So in, in relationships where there is sexual intimacy, it's, it's a lot, in, in the free world, like where everyone can do what they want to, right. it's a lot quicker to hit this point where, ooh, not working for me. Right, and this gives you a chance um, to see what freedom looks like. Like, when people have the freedom of choice and are empowered to do what they want to do, this, you get to see a microcosm of that. Because like we're saying, most of parts of our lives, we're not free. No. You know, we either have a boss, you know, or we have a set of family and friends that we feel obligated beyond our desire to do things with, to yeah. be around. So there's a lot of Vaseline on the teeth and fake smiles that we do. No, we're like, I can't stand these people, but that's my auntie. You know, we have right. to go over there. We go over there every year. Um, and this is more of like, well, do I want to go? And you have the option right. to go along with it because you're like, well, I, I don't know. That's what I want to do. Or, you know, like, you know what? I no longer want to do that and feel empowered to be like, maybe I want a little bit less of that. Or maybe I want to articulate, I really like you, but I don't like going to this place with you. I don't, right. I don't enjoy that. Right. And no one has the right to micromanage you and be like, well, that's it. We are a relationship. This is what we're going to do. This is what we do. Um, and so you get to see what freedom looks like. But also a lot, since it's what we're talking about, it's very new to most of, most of us. It's not what we were brought up to do. So freedom, in the, when you first start experiencing freedom, it's messy. It's goofy. It's clumsy. Um, it's confusing. <laughs> it's the highest highs and some of the lowest lows because it's just brand new. We don't know. We're not empowered to do this often. Even when you first start getting into this space, you know you have the freedom to do what you want to do, but there's shit inside of you that's like, like yeah. you shouldn't do that. 
you shouldn't, that's not what we do. You shouldn't do that. That's, that, you know, what will they think? And you have these internal, like, strings, and you're like, where is this coming from? And then you have to start looking, like, let me trace that. Why is it that I know that I can love multiple people and still hold my responsibilities and my desires? I know that I can love reggae and blues and soul and still be a hip-hop head to the bone. Like, I don't even have to think about it. I'm never questioning, like, am I ever going to find something that's going to take me away from hip-hop? Like, it just it doesn't even think about it. I navigate it perfectly. Right, and that's, like, that's another thing. You know, how can you love more than one person? Yeah. Well, how can you love more than one child that you have? Right, we right, have, and, and still have another. Right, we have three kids. They're all very different. Right. And how somehow we manage to love them all and dare right. say equally. And well, I mean, it's it, it, relationships are very different with each one of them. Yeah. And that's how they're supposed to be. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, we love different foods. You know, that's easier to dismiss because they're not humans. But with kids, it's you know, yeah. we have kids, we have parents, we have siblings. You know, we experience love for different people. It just somehow it got written in the rules that you can only have romantic love for one person. Right. Like, that's insane, you know. Uh, speaking of written in the books, you know, we listened to Dan Savage uh, on, on Deepak Chopra's podcast, mm-hmm. and he was like, okay, well, if humans were naturally monogamous, right. we wouldn't have to go to these links to describe what is not allowed. In right. the Bible, it says you're not allowed to look at another woman. Right. You know, there's lots of rules that have been painstakingly created to protect monogamy. If humans were naturally sexually monogamous, we would never even attempt to look at anyone because it wouldn't be interesting. Right, exactly. And uh, we are not made monogamous. That's just a fact. All of us, whether we're in a long-term faithful monogamous relationship or not have at least fantasized about having sex with somebody else right. uh, and and that's but if we were to tell our partner that's considered cheating right uh, keep going uh, so we have to first admit to ourselves that we're not made to be monogamous right monogamous is a practice it's a discipline it's a yeah. choice exactly and it goes back to why we did the first half of this episode, if you decide to practice it, practice it equipped with knowledge. Right. Don't practice it blind. You're gonna hit every single, all you know, all of them. all, all, <laughs> the of, all of the all cliche of holes and and potholes and you know spikes, and most of them are gonna try to kill you. Yeah. Uh, practice it with your eyes open, wide open. Understand it is not natural. Admit that first to yourself. Right. Go I, into it like you're actually thinking about making a career move and research at least what this new job would entail, what this yeah. new career would entail. And what are the problems with it? The and problems? then decide if that's for you and, understand, and respect the problem. Right. You know, it's like Dan Savage was saying, we think we are stronger than sex. Our intellect thinks that it is can t- it can tame it. Right. Our sexual desire, our sexual desire is the strongest primal instinct. Mm-hmm. You have to respect it. If you don't respect it, it's going to destroy you, right. one way or another. Uh, it's going to make you miserable. It's going to leak in ways that you can't control. It's going to create all kinds of problems. Yep. If we start with this is something that uh, 
I am born with. It is the strongest part of me. I cannot control it with my intellect. I will respect it. Right. Monogamy is not natural for humans. It's not that I'm flawed, but I'm human. Right. Therefore, it's not natural, and I will respect that, and I'll make my decisions based on this. You will most likely be just fine. Right. Uh, it's challenging, but it's challenging to be human right. to begin with. And you won't shame yourself if you have desires for other people or make mistakes involving that. And I want to be clear when we're talking about um, you know, our sexuality and our sex being the most powerful force we're talking about sexual energy we're talking about that drive that passion that urge that connection yep. it doesn't always mean the desire to stick penis and vagina or lick or suck or any of these things and we're talking about what Dan was alluding to is that if you don't identify that that energy is not a monogamous thing it's an energy it flows okay. through things and people and places and if we don't respect it and learn how to honor it then we won't be able to be able to manage it yep. it'll come out you either we'll fight it and we'll it'll eat us alive due to repression and depression or we'll be impulsive and it'll ruin things that we love and people will be confused as to well if you love me why did you do that and right. it's you know these type of things so i was having this conversation with someone just recently and they were like do you will you always look to date new people and I was like, yes, I will always look to meet and connect with and be moved by new people, new places, new things. And I said, for example, I have a pretty good music collection. I'm very aware of what I like. I have lots of music that I like. I could be like, I have 35, 40 years of amazing music. I don't need any other music. But I still look for new music. I still am moved by new artists. I am still open for new sounds, new voices, new stories. And the person was like, yeah. And it's like, once you move it out of the sexual realm to basic mathematics of another equation, everyone gets it. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, but when we're talking, I think the reason why we get sensitive uh, to, to that same statement in the world of sex, when you and I are having sex, right. that it hits our ego. It means that if you are having this, you know, a mutually enjoyable sexual relationship with me and you still want to go and find other people to have sex with, right. that means I'm not enough. Right. Which means And you, that yeah. hits our ego and it's a preset condition again. You I'm mean, you're not supposed to be enough. Right. But our culture tells us that we have to provide, we're supposed to provide everything to each other. Right. And if they're looking for something outside of us, that means that it's my failure. I'm right. failing to give him everything. Right. So and the challenge in non-monogamous space is that you are faced with that reality that you're not meant to be all. Right. And that our ego's value is placed, is misplaced in this setting. And in, uh, in a monogamous setting, we're not ever tested with that. Well, the ego, you know, I don't, I don't know that ego can ever be uh, switched from thinking uh, I am the best to, well, you know, I'm one of. I think the ego's role is to literally always remind us that, you know, right. we're the best. That's just, but that's one of the voices. We need to have other right. voices come in and be like, that's great. We're awesome. We love ourselves. 
there's nothing wrong with us. Right. You know. We are meant to be a part of the we're, team. We're not meant to be the whole but team. But there's also other things that, you know, people want to experience, right. whether I'm the best partner they have or not. You know, I continue to always feel that you you and I are best partners, including sexual partners. Right. It's never bothered me that you also want to have other sexual partners. It's bothered me for different reasons, but not for sexual reasons. Right, right. You know? Uh, but that's where it hits. Right. And yeah, and so I use analogy a lot of times to double check the rationale and the logic and then apply it back and go, ooh, but why does it feel different? And work my way backwards from that. Um, you know, because it's the reality is we don't want to be somebody's everything. Our ego does, but the right. rest of us don't. Our inner child does not want to always have to do what they want to do. Like, we don't want to... Pl- no matter how much we love somebody, we don't always want to please them in action. Right. In sentiments, we do. But the bottom line is, I'm like, she wants to go there and read these books. I don't want to do that shit. But she's like, but that will make me happy. And I'm like, yeah, but you got to do that with someone else. So in essence, if we're not fear triggered, the fact that we're not everything and they need to seek other people to do these things that we don't like, Bad, great. It's the same yep. thing. It's like if she likes to go to the museum three times a month, four times a month, and I like to go once a year, once. I'll go once a year and I'll be like, cool, go find your homies that like to do that shit because I don't like to do that. Yeah. And it's a relief that she goes, okay, and she has friends that like museums because I don't want to be responsible for taking her to the museum all the time. Right, but it's so scary, you know, once you move it into a different, into the sexual realm. Right. Uh, and, you know, I, you know, I'd been... I'm super allergic to uh, having people fully rely on me mm-hmm. for everything because of my life experience and, you know, uh, having been with someone who literally couldn't, you know, figure out his life without me. Right. Uh, and, you know, let the life go, you know, slip away because of it. That's a very heavy load. Right. I don't ever want to be in a situation where anyone relies on me. The kids don't rely on me. Right. You know, I can guarantee you that our kids, as much as they love me, right. uh, they can survive me not being around. Right. Because they do it day in and day out. Right. And they actually get an opportunity to enjoy right. that, where we are most of their security right now but we're not all and it's diminishing every year you know Karina being out she doesn't other than I actually forgot to transfer money into her account right uh, other than transferring some money in the account paying rent and paying for school which I'm sure she would figure out on her own if she needed to you know it's it's all diminishing yeah and you know that's a scandalous thing to say I am sure that a lot of parents or people like especially with younger kids it's like no what do you mean but that's a pitfall as well you can't build your life around being needed by someone and at some point it's going to start suffocating you and it's going to get you to the point where you either need to be out at all costs and it's going to be messy but you can't help it or you're going to find yourself 
uh, like you know, in my mom's situation, where we're out, we don't technically need her, and she feels it, and she doesn't have anything else that she can put that energy into because she didn't bother creating it. Right, right. And that's a really scary place to be in. Yeah, and this, so this style of relating also challenges you to understand you can be loved and be special without being needed. Yep. You can be special and loved by being a part of, sometimes most, but never all, of somebody's core vitality, pleasure, joy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so this style of relating makes you deal with all of those things. Yeah, I mean, you know, and uh, like open relationships in general, and then, you know, the sexual part of it is definitely, definitely acts as a, uh, you know, test. It'll it'll shake out all of the fears and right. all of the traumas and all of the insecurities in a matter of very, like, quick matter of time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, that is the, so, like, with open relationships, like what you was saying, is sex is not everything and it's not the core motive but it damn near is the core training ground (laughs) you try to learn to it's through sexual interactions that you learn a lot more about your core triggers and desires and nutrients and stuff yeah and your fears you know like your traumas your fears your insecurities and you can either uh, run away from it and say it's not for you, it's too difficult. It is really difficult, right. especially when you first start facing it. And Or you can choose to actually start learning about it and use it as a uh, conduit to really getting to feel what you've been suppressing. Right. And that's, you know, it's a, it's a very courageous process. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of ups and downs and times when you really feel like you can absolutely, like you cannot move one more step. You have to pull out. Uh, and then, you know, if you manage to get through, the next thing you know, you're feeling good again. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you have moved half a step ahead. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely not it's for lazy. <laughs> you know, no. it's, it's and it, you, it keeps you on your toes and you keep growing and moving like you can't fall asleep at the wheel. Like it's it's pretty much like I love the analogy and I've just been I'm going to use it a lot is this is like entrepreneurship versus a job. If you have a job, you have the security, you have the routine, you have the consistency, you know where your desk is, you know what time you clock in, you know how many days of vacation you get, you know when you're getting your paycheck, and all these things are very stable and reliable, and you don't have to think about them every day. When you become an entrepreneur, where you're getting your checks, when you're getting your checks, how much you're going to work, what's going to be the new direction of your company, all these things are completely... Right, and disappointments, because you will fail. Right. I mean, you will fail. There is no question about it. And the first time you fail, it feels like the end of the world. Right. You know, when your relationship with Dell ended, how did that feel? Yeah, it's the same. I mean, it... It was like me being at a job for 11 years and then going, who am I? Right. I didn't know who I was because my whole identity was based upon who I was in that setting. Yeah, but then you realize by doing that this thing is gonna come with failure. Mm -hmm. And it's gonna come with face plants and 
the only way to get through it is to actually want to get through it and get bloodied and bruised and get up and do it again. Right. Yeah. And just are this the challenge of this style of relating um, is you have it challenges you to come up with a new relationship with hurt, with pain, with failure. And those don't become bad words. They become a part of the process. It's just like, you know, I grew up skateboarding. Skateboarding has been a big part of my life for a greater part of 30 years. And falling is 100% part of skateboarding. Like, it's not even looked at as like, oh, man, you fail. You, you, you failed because you fail. It's like, you like get up. You can get up and go do it again. Right, you guys cheer your the other person when they fall. Yeah, you clap. It's like, yeah. oh, good. Now, now you're right. awake. Now or like, get yeah, it. down and up, down and up, right. down and up, and it's yeah, it's amazing how that uh, builds character. Yeah, failure doesn't mean the end of the world. It just means like, okay, get up, adjust, or do it again. Right, and then you know when 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 Tion and I have gone through our most challenging times, then you know, the most painful times and the betrayal on my part and all that stuff. And there's so many people, the ones that he would talk to, were like, why are you with her? And why, how long are you going to let her do this? Right. And you're like, I actually have no intent of leaving. Right? Yep. Like, that was the first thing. And it's thing. a yeah. very different lens. Yeah, it's like saying, you know, we f- I was skating and I fell hella hard. And the first thing I said is, I'm not quitting skating. You know, some people do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so in this state, this style of relating is not for everybody. Some people saying entrepreneurship is not for everybody. No, it's not for the faint of heart. If someone desires more consistency, security without their personal responsibility to dictate that, that's why more people will get jobs and have jobs. And that's great. I mean, yeah. we need people that do those things. Like yeah. we, I cannot have my work team all be driven to you know go to the next thing next thing and create and this is what i do right now i need my team to actually do things that are day in day out same consistent uh and i want people on my team that will do that without complaining that they're bored that they're not challenged this is their world and so the, the key to that is finding people who like to do that. Yeah. And this goes into what Dan Savage says. Um, the, one of the challenges with monogamy and the problem is there's too many people doing it who don't subscribe and don't, it doesn't, they don't like it. It's not yep. for them. So it's the same thing. It's like, you know, a person who does that engineering job or the IT job is the same, like that personality type has to like that job. Yep. If they don't, it's torture. Right. And if so, so in the world where everything is, there is no uh, accepted relationship structure, right. there will be people that will gravitate towards monogamy because that's what they want, not because it's what they're told to do, right. not, not because they're afraid of other ways, but because they choose to do it. Right. And then there will be people that might be monogamous in one relationship and in one part of their life, but not maybe five years into it, 
they decide they want something else, but they will choose that consciously. And there will be that it absolutely is true that monogamy is not going to disappear. Right. And that's not, you know, like we say, we don't, we're not against it. We're against mandated, that's your only choice. And if you're choosing something else, at best, you're weird. Right. And that's the challenge is that um, everybody's not built for the exact same thing for the exact same amount of time. We're not all going to fit in the same template, in the same log. So there are many different ones, and there will probably be more different styles created or already around that we have talked about. But we narrowed it down to monogamy and then alternative, poly, anything that's under poly, which means just more than one. Um, but going into all of these big decisions, like matters of love, matters of time, energy, space, emotion, sexual intimacy, um, these are very huge parts of our lives. and They really shape our self-esteem and our outlook on how we relate to other humans. Um, so going into it eyes wide will give us the better chance at navigating these things. Will we get blindsided? Yes. Will we get hurt? Of course. Uh, will we feel amazing? For sure. Will we grow? Yeah. But if we have, if we go into this knowing that we're going to experience all of these things, and we'll be better equipped for that. We can train. We can study. We can listen. We can learn. Um, and that way we won't have to repeat so many of the common mistakes that primarily occur when people go into something without thinking about it thoroughly. And unfortunately, right now, when it comes to relationships in our society, most of that is through monogamy, because monogamy has been so-called the way for the greater of 100 years. Right. But, you know, we're also through our own life, and, you know, uh, people tell us, well, it's because those are our kids, but I don't think it's just because, you know, we see things in the, new gen in the next generations through how our kids do things. Right. But other kids, you know, our kids have partners and friends and, you know, we're, it, it's, it's amazing to watch them move through their life mm -hmm. in a way that's already different and more free than ours. Right, and less black and white and clean cut. A lot less black and white. It's amazing what, you know, we hear from our kids and it doesn't phase them at all. And we're like, really? Right. You know, and we're supposed to be open. Right. But they, do, they just do things. They just live that way. And, you know, maybe it starts with they interchange clothes, yeah, you know, yeah. but then it goes into they really can, you know, their open relationship includes, you know, sexual partners on both sides that are of each sex. Like, right. it doesn't matter. Like, if you're attracted to a person, you're attracted, you don't think that it's gay sex, not gay sex, whatever right. it is. Right. You just go on what feels good. And right, right. right, or if you, uh, you know, you stop your relationship at the point much quicker where it stops helping you and it right. starts sucking energy out of you. Right. You pull the trigger, like you, you catch yourself feeling off. Right. And you go, oh, this does not work for me. Right. And you don't feel obligated by society, by your parents. Like, well, I said yes to do this, so I need to stick it out. Right. If I really care about somebody... I will stick it out, even if it means sacrificing my well-being. And I don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, right. that's another thing. Like, watching our kids, that part of it is amazing to me. The part that's so hard for me that I'm, like, hoping to now actually put in practice where I'm over it. Right. But the part of 
you have to tell your partner, your boyfriend, your husband, whatever, I feel this way about this other person right. and I'm going to do it with them. Or, right. hey, what, how we're relating now does not work for me anymore. Let's right. change it, knowing that it hurts the other person. Right. But they can, they're so rooted in having to do what works for them and what they need that they will take that step that is so hard for us to take. Right. And that's the most amazing thing to watch. Yeah. So so as we wrap it up, what we're trying to do, we're watching with our children and we're trying to learn for ourselves partially through our children is bringing back the concept of I love you so much. I care about you so much. And I'm going to be honest with you as much as I can, as all as I can, because I know the most divine thing I can do is give you and tell you my truth and give you space to do what you want to do with it versus the way of, I love you so much, I never want to hurt you, so I will never tell you things that hurt you. It's so hard to trust that. It is so hard. I asked our daughter that that does that, you know, I go, how do you... And I can see it's difficult for her emotionally. Right. It's very difficult. You know, she goes into a different mode right. when she has to tell her boyfriend that she's going to hang out with somebody else. Right. And, you know, but she does it. And I asked her, I'm like, well, how do you do it? Well, she's like, I'm just, you know, I'm being extra kind right. with my boyfriend and nice to him and talk about it. Right. You know, kind, nice, but not wavering, like right. not going with his, like, you know, uh, looking at him suffering right. because it is hard, you right. know, uh, and I feel it. I feel for him. I feel for her. Right. You know, we feel it. But basically doing what you do, you have done with me is like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be extra kind to you, but I'm not my kindness includes me not bending to your right distress right exactly and you know that's a big thing and we although we have hard times doing it we know we so much appreciate when someone gives us the opportunity to make a decision based upon truth so that's where we're going that's what it is i hope eyes wide helps you keep your eyes wide don't fall asleep stay awake this is your life your love your opportunity and we are grateful to be able to be here, to be of service, to be at least another voice um, amongst the voices that are floating in your head as you're thinking about these things. So I am grateful for the opportunity to bang out this episode before I go on tour. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to make it. I'm grateful for your opportunity to go on tour and for our ability to make sure that happens. Yes, I'm, I'm definitely grateful for the privilege to have the the resources and the support um, of Yula and the family and the kids to be able to do that and grateful for the relationships that I've been fortunate enough to have and manage and maintain to where I can have the opportunity to reach out and make this happen. Uh, I'm grateful for our kids and them teaching us just as much as we teach them. You know, I think it's assumed that our kids do so well because we teach them. And yes, we've given them a good foundation. And I, it's amazing to be at this point where they have 
each one of them has taken it upon themselves to like branch off and go in their own direction using that foundation, but definitely pushing the envelope, uh, you know, beyond where we've done where we've been. Yeah, and I'm grateful for um, shifting through hard work and time and time and time our placement of special and stability and having that be more implanted within ourselves and energy-based than material because the last six, seven months have been insane as far as the amount of dramatic shifts and transitions and people coming in and out of the live and our lives and all types of crazy. So I'm really grateful that as that moves us, the core of our stability is deeply rooted within and not based upon one person, place, or thing. And the last grateful I have is probably my biggest one is that, you know, I've been struggling to fight, to find this place in myself where I feel rooted in myself and I feel peaceful and calm. And I feel it more and more often. And when I hop off of it or I'm thrown off of it, I come back to it uh, relatively easy. And that's my biggest grateful. Right. And that is us, episode 41, Eyes Wide. Tion Buku one. And Yula. Mm. The park ranger. I'm going to come up with something else soon. Yeah, but for now, that's what the park it ranger. is. All right. Enjoy yourselves, guys. Peace.
Flee away from negative vibes. Get right. Oh, yeah. Cause what you think is what you make real. And how you deal is what you will feel. Get right. 